Hey guys, welcome to Crime Noir. We have a new episode and I'm actually really excited to chat with you guys. It's been a little minute, but right now I have two very, very special guests on the line. I have Mr. Hopkins. As you guys know, we covered this case. Um, me and Modern Murders covered this case a couple weeks ago and we have his father on the line that would like to talk to us and just let us know what's going on and also i have ariel from modern murders as well on the line so hi how you doing thank you so let's just get started mr hopkins talk to us what's going on how are you today i'm doing pretty good thank you for asking and what about you ariel i'm doing really good thank you for having me thank you for including me on this so, Mr. Hopkins, how did you come across our case, our discussion, our podcast? Uh, off of a Facebook group, um, I had posted my son's story in a true crimes um, Facebook group. Mm-hmm. And a few people recommended uh, Modern Murders. Mm-hmm. They said, if, you know, um, to reach out and send a story that maybe uh, Ariel would cover it. Mm-hmm. And that's that's basically how I found out about Modern Murders. Um, I was I was googling my son's name one day because I always Google his name just to see if if they any new, if anybody's covering it, anybody said anything new. And I had seen a, a picture, one of the, a picture that you had used, and it um connected me to your Instagram. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so I went to your Instagram, and that's basically how I how I found out uh, about Crime New York. And what are your thoughts about our episode? Was there anything that we got wrong? Like, what is your opinion on wh- how we covered your son's case? All right. Okay, first, first, let me say I thank you guys very much. I really do. I really appreciate it. And second, um, I think you guys did a very, very good job, a great job based on the information you had. Mm-hmm. So, like, I was really impressed. I said, well, you know, this was just the information you guys had. You did a very, a very good job covering the story. Um, there were a few things mm-hmm. that were off, but this is why I'm glad you guys are giving me this opportunity to, to be on this platform. Um, some things that I think you guys may be interested in, also your listeners. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I know this is kind of uncomfortable, but do you want to walk us through what exactly happened to your son for the people who may be listening for the first time? Or how would you like to proceed with that? Oh, I, I have no problem with it. I, okay. I, can, I can do that based okay. on the information that I have. Okay, go ahead. Okay, so on May 3rd, 2018, um, my son's body was found on St. Matthew Street in Petersburg, Virginia. Uh, he had been he had been beaten to the point of torture. Uh, he had been stripped naked. Um, he was bound by some type of what, what the police are uh, describing as some type of carpenter tape, uh, drywall tape. He had a he was bound with a ligature a ligature around his neck that was coming down connecting to his wrists. His ankles had been bound. Uh, he was left on a random porch, so he was, it wasn't the porch that he wasn't. He didn't live there, and he had also been shot six times, um, two times in the face, two times in the head, and two times in the arm. Mm-hmm. The shots, the shots in the arm, uh, based on his autopsy report, is consisted of someone trying to um, cover themselves. Mm-hmm. 
So the like you know maybe the for the forearm and maybe close to the elbow. Um, that was one of the things, you know, you guys spoke about in the first podcast that I wanted, he wasn't found bound to a chair. Okay. Okay. So, um, I, I know that, um, Lieutenant Chambliss mm-hmm. had reported that. I don't, I don't know what made him switch the narrative. When I asked the detective who is detective Darrington for major crimes in Petersburg, Virginia, mm-hmm. he, um, he basically, he didn't really have an answer to why, uh, Lieutenant Chambers had changed it other than to say that, you know, he was, he was reporting based on what he had saw. Mm-hmm. Um, if, if you or, or your listeners would go back to the, um, to the first report, mm-hmm. you spoke of a, uh, a guy named Lee Tucker. Mm-hmm. So he was the individual who, um, actually found my son's body. He lives across the street. Mm-hmm. I actually spoke with Mr. Tucker face to face in his living room. So he was able to tell me exactly how, you know, what he saw, how he, you know, how he found my son. So this is how I, I know based on Mr. Tucker's, uh, based, on, based on what Mr. Tucker told me that um, he wasn't bound to a chair, that he, he was actually um, laying on his side, whereas maybe he, Mr. Tucker described it to me as maybe he tried to use the chair to cover himself. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, that was one of the things that I wanted to, um, point out. Mm-hmm. Um, so from, from that point, some, a lot of, a lot of weird things have happened. Um, the police, they, the police never, um, showed his mom mm-hmm. a picture of him. So she never saw a picture of him. She never went to the morgue. What they did was they ID'd him from fingerprints. Mm-hmm. And then they showed her a picture of a tattoo mm-hmm. to coincide with the fingerprints to identify him. Um, so they interviewed his mother, you know, the basic interview. And he, he had a girlfriend at the time, his, his son's mother. And they interviewed her according to his mother. I live in New Jersey, so I don't live in Petersburg, so I wasn't on site. His mm-hmm. mother was. So I'm just, this is coming from his mother based on the day on May 3rd. Um, and so... He, he, the detective interviewed the girlfriend for about 30 to 45 minutes, asking her questions, you know, the basic questions, you know, anybody, you know, he had a problem with anybody who want to harm him, his friends. And basically when was the last time she seen him? When was the last time she heard of, heard from him? Mm-hmm. Um, according to her, the last time she had spoke to him, it was through Facebook messenger. Mm-hmm. Um, and he, he, he was going to play basketball at Virginia state university. Mm-hmm. Um, they they never, according to the detective, they have no evidence. They have no proof to say he ever went to Virginia State University to play basketball. Mm-hmm. So they don't know if he was at Virginia State playing basketball. They, they never know if that's where he went. Mm-hmm. That was all based on what the girlfriend told him. Um, maybe two to three days after maybe like May 6th, someone took down his Facebook page. Hmm. So we, we immediately reported this to the, reported this to Detective Darrington. Mm-hmm. What he did with the information, we, we still don't know to this day because nothing came out of it. Uh, according to him, he had to send out some, uh, he had to get warrants to get on his page or, you know, he had to send out warrants to Facebook. 
Mm-hmm. We we've tried to contact we've tried to contact Facebook several times and have been unsuccessful. And we tried from the very start to try to reach out to Facebook to find out who took his Facebook page down because that was like critical. That was the first two to three days. Mm-hmm. And since the police had never they never went back to the apartment that he shared with his girlfriend and searched the apartment. Mm. So they, they never, they never went back there. So, the, you know, we don't, they don't know. We don't know if the, the assailants stripped him naked or if someone ran in the apartment and called him coming out the shower or something or called him in the shower. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then for someone to take down his Facebook page in two to three days, you know, usually these days the police are on top of that. Like that's the first place they go is to social media. Correct. That's very, very right. accurate. Mm-hmm. So for them not to know that someone took down his Facebook page and then not to jump on that immediately, it just it just didn't seem right to us. Like we don't know exactly how you're doing your investigation. Mm-hmm. Since since um since that time. So we you're in May, it's the beginning of the case. You're putting it in the police, you know, you're putting it in the detective's hands. You're trusting the detectives to do what they say they're gonna do. So we was pretty much um just you know sitting back most of the communication we have gotten from the detective is through through emails or um text messages like i've text messaged them i might have talked to them on the phone maybe twice mm-hmm. um i started to push well me and his mother started we didn't really want to push it on facebook because we couldn't understand why um based on the circumstances of the case it just appeared that the city officials in Petersburg, the police department, the council, the councilmen, they just wanted to keep it in Petersburg. Like they didn't want um, outside news medias. They didn't, like you didn't want to shine a light. I just felt like if you shine a light in the, on the criminals and you make people comfortable, they'll come up and they'll give information on it. Agreed. But they just, it seems like our efforts to push it on Facebook, their efforts were to suppress it. Like I said, they, you know, you, you changed the narrative. You said he was found in the car. I mean, you said you said he was found bound to a chair. Um, you reported that he went to go play basketball when you never had any proof that he ever went and played basketball. You don't, you know, it was a vehicle. They, um, in the beginning, they said it was a black SUV that may have been seen um, leaving the scene. You, you never put that out in your news report. You never say anything about the black SUV. Um, and so we started pushing it on Facebook and it got some shares. Um, eventually I was able to, um, speak with the councilwoman mm-hmm. who got me in contact with the chief of police at the time, uh, police chief Miller, Kenneth Miller. Mm-hmm. And through him, this is how the news, the local news covered the story again. That was maybe three or four months after, after his death. Mm-hmm. So this is where this is when Lieutenant Chambers did the story, and he talked about, you know, what I what I got out of it was you really just talked about how brutally murdered he was. Mm-hmm. You really didn't put out any new information. You put out really misleading information, like he was bound to a chair, or because I I was on Facebook pushing it on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram, and to me around a ligature around the neck connecting to his wrist, mm-hmm. to me just it felt like a slave. Like that's how you would find a slave. Mm-hmm. And that's that's what I was that's what I was saying. I couldn't see it any other way. 
Mm-hmm. Not to say it was racially motivated. It was just that that's how I viewed it. If I closed my eyes, that's just how I saw it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just seemed like you you guys reported, they, they reported it to change that narrative. The narrative for them has always been this was a street crime. Mm-hmm. They have looked nowhere else. Mm-hmm. But uh, is there any evidence that he was, quote unquote, involved in the streets? Because like I said, I've been covering cases. I have a degree in forensic science. And I know a lot of times when Black men are murdered, that is like the first thing that it goes to. It's like, oh, it's street violence. So whatever, like just another Black man killing another Black man. You know what I mean? Or that's what they chalk it up to. But based upon what I read and what Ariel read, I didn't see any indication of that. Could you maybe clarify? So that's, that's, thank you for asking that question. So right from the start the police knew that this that he was not involved in any drugs he wasn't involved in any gangs they knew this week two weeks going into the investigation his name didn't come up in any he, he wasn't known for being a gangbanger he wasn't known for being a, a street level drug dealer or dealing with any drug dealers mm. he he did his music mm. or he was with his son Mm-hmm. So that's that's what he did. This this was found out very early. This is the, the detective Darrington assured us of this right from the start. This is this is why I couldn't understand why if if you know this, why were you why are you continue to look in the streets and nowhere else? When I asked him about it being a did he think it was racially motivated, his only answer to me was, well, it couldn't have been, we don't think it could have been racially motivated because Petersburg, Virginia is like 80, 84% black. So there's no, you know, there's no white people here to, I didn't think that was really a good answer. Mm. Like, you know, it wasn't like you said, well, based on the evidence that we found or based on eyewitness accounts, you know, it was just simply, this couldn't be, we don't blink this is racially motivated just because the city is 85% black. Yeah. So not really a good explanation. Yeah. For them so, to do something like that. Yeah. So they're they're um it's always been street crime. So everywhere they look, um, I think the first story has something to do with a robbery. Mm-hmm. Supposedly my son had supposedly robbed someone and this was retaliation and um someone put a hit out on him. Mm-hmm. So a little self-disclosure about myself, I, I come from the streets, I've seen a lot of things. Mm-hmm. And I just, I, to this day, I still can't, I just can't believe it. Unless they were able to tell me some evidence that pointed that way, mm-hmm. I just, because it was just too much. It was overkill. Mm-hmm. It was just an overkill for a robbery, a, a hit or something like that from the streets. But that was the first story, which I guess they didn't find the evidence for that. The next story has something to do with counterfeit money. Mm-hmm. They didn't find any evidence to that. Mm-hmm. Um, the last where are thing, they just, I'm sorry to cut you off, but where are they pulling this out of? Because, so they, I mean, typically, I mean, you said the Facebook is down, so it's not like they went through his Facebook. Well, we don't know. We're just speculating. But if the Facebook's down and they haven't informed you that they found anything on the Facebook, like, where is this, these theories coming from? So the, like you said, the first, the first thing about the streets is just, that's just what they. That's just where they're. That's just where they're looking. Mm-hmm. 
-hmm. That's just what they believe. They don't have any real evidence. Mm -hmm. The second is coming from, from stories they're hearing in the streets. So they may bring someone in. The, the thought process has always been, okay, somebody's going to say something when they catch a case. Like someone's going to catch a case, and what we're going to do is we're going to ask them, do they know about this? And they get out their case, they're going to tell us some. So basically, this is where they've been getting their information from, from people who or um, maybe the girlfriend gave him some names and they would go question those guys. He's not really being specific about where he's getting the information from, mm -hmm. but he that's that's where he that's the basics that the detective was given to me. Like, you know, we're going to get it. We're going to get it. Somebody's going to come in and they're going to want to get out their case and they're going to tell us about um this case what they know about this there was a friend of my son who in the beginning the detective was like this is the guy who's going to break the case mm -hmm. once we get our hands on him he, he he knows a lot in this but he was out of state at the time mm -hmm. so maybe three four months later they, they finally get to him still no information he don't know who did it he don't know um what it's about they weren't able to extract any information from him. Mm -hmm. um, and, it, and it's just, this is what's been going on for the last two years or four months that it's just been a, a, a whole bunch of stories or it's, it's a certain person you're looking for that you can't find. Mm -hmm. But when you find this person, they'll be able to give you some information. Um, my, my thoughts... So where, where is that right now? Mm -hmm. Again, it's a story about a robber. Mm -hmm. And from based on what the police detective has told me that someone robbed someone, mm -hmm. blamed my son. They murdered my son, but my son didn't do it. Mm -hmm. That's that's the gist of it. Like this is what this is what he's telling me. Like, it was a mistake. That's his words. The mistake was. They thought he did it, he didn't do it, but they murdered him before they found out that it, was, it wasn't him. Mm. Um, supposedly, based on information that he had, they, the, the person who gave them this information is supposed to be close to the, to the drug dealer or whoever it was that got robbed. So that's, that's why they're trusting what this person is telling them. He also told them where my son was supposed to be assaulted at because they believe the assault took took place somewhere else. Mm. But he was shot there. They said they went to the house where he was assaulted at, but they found no blood. Mm. I, I specifically asked him, like, did you spray luminol? He said, yes, we didn't find anything. I find that hard to believe. Mm. Like, like, really, you guys are dealing with assassins. Yeah. Like you, you're really dealing with assassins because the, the case is based. They, first of all, my son disappeared. They never talk about the whole no kidnapping. He disappeared. Nobody know where he disappeared from. Mm. The only thing they know is that, oh, well, he was on his girlfriend says he was on his way to go play basketball. Mm. And then he disappeared. She didn't hear from no more. And then you have this last story that, well, he wound up with these guys and, and they murdered him in this house. We went back to that house. We sprayed lumen all over the place, but we found no blood at all. Mm. Um, the area that he was found in was a high drug area, like a high crime area. Mm. Um, 
So the police haven't named anybody publicly as a suspect. I I didn't see anything. Is that still no, true? No. Yes. No. Not not at this time. They haven't named any suspects. Um, and basically, from from what the detective has told me, they have no evidence. Mm. Like they had they have no evidence. You know, remember he was he he didn't have any clothing. They found none of his clothing. They weren't able to track his cell phone. Um, they said that his he wasn't on a carrier. He wasn't on a plan. So he was using Wi-Fi through through Facebook Messenger. He was using Wi-Fi. So because of that, they weren't able to be able to use cell towers to track where it pinged off last at. Mm. So not, they can't even track where he last used the Wi-Fi or did he use it at his girlfriend at the time's house? They, they can't even see he, when the last time his phone was used. He, when, when he, when he spoke, when he messaged her, he wasn't at the house. Mm. And that's what I thought. I thought, well, maybe you can find out where he last. He, and this is with the, well, we have to get warrants from Google. We have to send Google warrants. We have to send warrants to Facebook and just nothing ever comes out of it. Mm. He, he was talking about some, you know, some new technology that was supposed to be able to um, find out that type of information, like where he last, you know, where he last used the Wi-Fi at. Um, supposedly, it was supposed to be a video, so these guys took a video of it. Wow! And they wow. tried to track a phone, but the phone that they were tracking over the phone they were looking for had been sold and refurbished which I'm trying to figure out how could you possibly know that the phone was refurbished? Like, okay, y'all can hear you. I can understand if you said it was sold, mm -hmm. but how do you know it was re refurbished? Sometimes I just feel like the detective just tells me things mm -hmm. that I'm just going to take his word for. I'm not going to sit down and maybe think about it myself, but that really didn't make any sense. The mm -hmm. girlfriend that I, you know, the girlfriend, they only interviewed her one time. Mm -hmm. So, He's been wanting to interview her again, but she hasn't, um, for whatever reason, she hasn't came back in yet to be interviewed. Um, maybe a year and a half, maybe maybe nine months after my son's murder, they begin, he began to tell us not to tell her things because mm -hmm. he felt like, you know, she was um, somehow communicating with individuals that they were looking at. Mm. That's interesting. Yeah, so, which which goes back to my original when I first said, you know, you never searched his home. Like, that's like one of the first, like, it was just certain, it's just certain things that the police did that kind of just throws me off. They, like, you, one of the first things you really do is you search the individual's home. Wherever they were staying at, you go back there. You, you never searched his apartment that he shared with his girlfriend. Um, you never went on his. You never went on his social media, his Facebook. It's it's just certain things that they have been doing. That just boggles me. Um, Do you feel they're being transparent with you in the way that you need to? you need as a victim's family member like do you feel like they are helpful if you reach out to them do you think like how are they responding he'll he'll respond mm -hmm. as far as transparency I, I no i don't think he's being transparent um i personally my personal belief and i don't like to do the whole conspiracies and things of that nature but i personally feel like 
it's something they're hiding. It's something that they don't want us to know or people outside. They don't, it's just something that they, it's something more to the case mm -hmm. that they just don't want out. Um, whether it be, I remember I asked my, I asked him, was my, well, did my son, was he some type of informant? Did he work for, no, he, he just, no. But I just feel like it's something that, it's just something that they're hiding. Something that if, if the case was national and, and it was, it was light shined on Petersburg, Virginia, I just think something would come out of it more than, than just he was murdered over some stolen drugs. Mm -hmm. that he didn't steal. Do you think it's possible he's, like you said, connected to maybe somebody else's case? Like, maybe not as an informant or anything like that, but maybe that's why they're so tight-lipped is they're really look, trying to pin it on this, I don't know, you know, Rico's and all these other things. It could be something connected to that. Is that has that crossed your mind at all? It has crossed my mind just from the start of the case his mother was told that the ATF was involved. Mm -hmm. So when I, when I questioned the Lieutenant Chambliss about it, he, he didn't know anything about it. When I questioned the detective about it, he simply said, oh yeah, they, you know, sometimes they help us with investigations as far as using their labs. Cause they're, you know, when you use their labs, it comes back quicker. Mm -hmm. So I just left it alone until there's still things that you're waiting for to come back from the lab. Like you're still waiting for things to come back from the lab, but if they were, if you were using their lab, I thought it came back. I thought it came back quicker. You, you almost two years, you two, you're almost two and a half years in now, and you're still waiting on things to come back from the lab. Mm -hmm. Um, so uh, you know it could be something with because I know the individual that he's looking at, the individual that he's looking at. I know he did have a federal case. Mm -hmm. Whatever the case may be, he was locked up on a federal charge, and now he's, um, now he's released again. I don't know if the federal charge stuck or if he's still going to court for it or something like that. So I, I have given that some thought that maybe you know the feds are involved and they don't, you know, they can't give up so much information. Mm -hmm. It's just hard. It's hard for me to believe those parts of it because of you know different different things that he he hasn't done in the case. Like like you said, the whole it's a street crime. Mm -hmm. I, it wouldn't be so bad if you if you vetted everything else out. But if you just looking straight at street crime and you haven't found any solid evidence to show that it's a street crime, then why would you keep on looking at it as a street crime? Why? I, I thought it was always follow the evidence. You know, you go where the evidence takes you. Yeah. So if you, if you haven't found the evidence yet, I mean, if you went to a house where someone was assaulted I, and you couldn't find any blood, if you don't, if you can't find any witnesses to tell you um, that he really went and played basketball, if you can't find anyone who say, well, um, we seen him. If you can't connect him with those guys, you can't bring because it was it was more than one guy, according to the police. So if you if you can't, if you don't have any evidence saying we seen him with at least one of those individuals. Mm -hmm. Maybe that's not what it is. Just maybe it's not a street crime. Maybe right. it's something more. 
And I've been to Virginia State University. I actually got admitted there when I was applying for colleges. Have they checked, did they check the cameras for the basketball court? Did they do any of that? Because I'm, I'm, I don't, it's been like a decade since I went on Virginia State campus, but I'm pretty sure they have cameras and stuff like that. Was any of that vetted? So according, according to the, to the earlier, um, early in the case, supposedly Mm -hmm. they did that. They went to Virginia State University. They spoke with, they looked at cameras and they never seen him there. This is what he's telling me. I myself called the Virginia, you know, they have their own police force. Mm -hmm. They have campus police. I called the Virginia State, I mean, I called, yeah, the Virginia State University police to speak with them. And they, they they wouldn't confirm that any detectives came and spoke about anything. That's odd. In, in regards to my son's case. And they wouldn't really give me any, any, any information as far as, well, did you see him on any, um, have you seen, did you guys see him on any cameras on that particular day playing basketball? And they, they wouldn't give me the information. Mm-hmm. I know they did tell me that they, they share the same office. Mm. So, they, they, you know, um, I'm trying to find, I had, I had switched phones, but I had like every text, me and him text for the last two years and, and I lost everything. Mm-hmm. That's sad. Ariel, do you have any questions you would like to ask Mr. Hopkins? Anything you want to get off your chest? Like, I don't know if you're still here. No, I think I'm good. I think you guys covered everything. This was really helpful for me and I appreciate all the information you gave us because it's it's really hard to find this information through news stories. And it's just really disheartening that there isn't that much information because it wasn't that long ago that this happened. So I think what you were able to give us is extremely important and I just can't wait to get this out there. But I think you guys covered everything that I had questions on. So thank you. And we're kind of going backwards, but I wanted to know what Tajmir was like as a child growing up. I mean, how would you like him to be remembered? So um, <laughs> he, he was mischievous as a child. He was funny all the way up to his death, you know, uh, loud, um, <laughs> ambitious. Uh, you know, he, he went through his, through his growing pains and his rebellious stage. Uh, he once he had his son, he was smoothing out, but he was a character. You know, he was that guy that made everybody laugh. You know, the loud, you know, the, the loud sibling because he has three sisters, so he was the the loud sibling, the the funny one. Um, I used to always say he could be an actor because he acted so good. Mm-hmm. Um, you guys were real, close. Uh, we had our we were, we were we were close at times, and then we were we wouldn't talk for a while um, as as he got into his teenage years, mm-hmm. he was he was a lot like myself in my teenage years. Mm-hmm. And I grew out of my teenage years. And it was kind of like, that's where we would clash at. It was like, dad, remember when you used to? And I'm like, yes, I did it so you wouldn't have to. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But his generation don't see it that way. Mm-hmm. So, but the love was, the love, every, anyone, I knew he loved me. Every person you would talk to, they would tell you like, that was my guy. I feel like he was the best thing I did since I've been on this planet. Uh, I was 22 when he was born. Mm-hmm. He was 22 when he was murdered. 
Mm. So, you know, but he, he, he was, he was, he was a great person. Yeah, he was just starting to get into his music. He was, um, I guess you would say he was, he was, he was like, stri- he was getting his craft together. That's what he wanted to do. He was focused on it. He would be in the studio all the time. He wasn't in the studio. He was a great father. Mm-hmm. He was a great father. Took his son with him everywhere. It's, it's, a, it's definitely a tragedy. Just. And how is your family holding up? How are you guys holding up and pushing through if you even are doing that? Um, well, me and his mother are together, but we, we, we're cool. We've been cool for years. Mm-hmm. Um, she, she's torn up. That was her only son. Mm. That, that was her only son. She has three daughters. That was my only child, period. Mm. So, um, you know, she, we both go through our times. Me personally, I just have been in the anger. So I haven't really, I haven't really grieved through the grieving process because I just stay stuck in the anger part. Mm-hmm. Some days are better than others. Um, then it's sometimes that I just become obsessed with it where I can't, you know, I'm either on a computer looking for something or I'm on my phone. I'm looking, I'm, I'm going over people he hung with. I'm, I'm messaging him. His mom, um, you know, it's, it's hard on, it's hard on her. It's hard on his sisters. That was their only brother, mm. but the family, you know, I guess you would say, and especially in this day and age, you have to move on. Like you really just don't have a choice. You know, life, life is life right now. How life is moving. You can't stay stagnated. Yeah. But everybody goes, goes through their own, through their phase. I thank God for my wife. Cause I don't know. I probably, I probably would have lost it by now. Mm. But, um, we, me and his mom is where we're kind of each other crutches when she's going through it. You know, she, when she's having her days, she can reach out to me mm-hmm. and I'll listen, you know, and um, when I'm going through mines, I have my wife and I have his mother where I can reach out to her. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just stay, I, I stay in this. This is, this is, this is what I do. I just, I've been trying to get his story out nationally for the last two years and four months. It's just, you know, I just feel like that, when I when that's done, maybe I can can I can go through the grieving process. Mm-hmm. But until then, you know, as long as I just cause I just feel like it's something it's something wrong. It just doesn't seem right to me. Mm-hmm. Well, I just want to offer my sincerest condolences. This story has touched me, and I almost moved to tears right now. But I'm gonna keep it G. <laughs> Thank but you. I want to send my biggest warm hug to you. And it was such a blessing to have you on our show, Modern Murders, Crime Noir. We appreciate you for telling our stories or your son's story. And if there's anything else we can do for you, I have a little platform. It's been growing by the day. I'm going to try to push it as much as I can. And hopefully we can get some justice, some answers, some closure, so you can move on in your grieving and same with his mother thank you and where can we find you where can the people who listen to this find you oh so i'm jamar hopkins on facebook okay i'm justice fatage on instagram that's justice t a h j 
four, just the uh, letter, the number four, Taj. Mm -hmm. Justice for Taj. I'm, I'm sorry, Justice, letter four, I mean, number four, T-H-A-J. And I'm the same thing on Twitter. Okay. All right. So if you're listening and you have any information, we're urging you to contact him. Okay. And in our previous episode, we mentioned where to contact the police. So we're urging you, if you know anything, it, if you saw something, heard something, thought you heard something, please contact the, the police. Thank you. Ariel, any, you. any final comments? Yeah, again, even if you think it's not an important fact or thing that you saw, it still could be important. So I urge everyone, if you're in that area, if you were on that day at Virginia State, maybe you saw something or heard something that was out of the ordinary it could be really significant. So please reach out to the police department or even you can call Crime Stoppers to, to report anonymously. Um, Mr. Hopkins, I just wanna say thank you again. And I just want to give my deepest sympathies to your tremendous loss for you and your family. Um, it, his story is so important to get out there and I really hope that we can see justice soon, very soon. So thank you again for your time.